What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, yep. and on the line, I'm in the doghouse still. I think this guy just lives there now. Josh Cohen, how you doing? Uh, you know, pretty rough, pretty rough, but uh, just like the <laughs> Phoenix Suns, actually. But, uh, you know, overall, things are okay. Looking forward to the conference final starting today and uh, the draft lottery as well. Yay, draft lottery. Hosted by Malika Andrews. How about that? Yes, ESPN hey man, with a full swerve to Malika, full time. You should be excited as a Pistons fan too. It's a big night for you. <laughs> I'll be excited at the draft. Our residential medical expert Rajan Walia, how you feeling? I'm uh, suffering some withdrawal symptoms. I think last night was the first night without any NBA for like what the last month, and uh, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. I had so much free time. I'm like, what? What is this? A free evening? What did you do in your free evening? That's the question. I actually slept, and I'm getting ready for uh, today's big game. I'm going to try to peek at the scores, bet lines, and maybe play some series bets. <laughs> oh, well, uh, let me beat you to it, because we're going to start with our Western Conference Finals. The Dallas Mavericks at the Golden State Warriors. Golden State is favored, minus 220, Raj. Dallas is uh, plus 180. That's not bad. If you believe in Luka that much... If you believe in the Mavericks winning the season series 3-1, to one, if you believe that their top 6 or 7 defense can take on this Warriors team, plus 180 is not bad for a season series, right? That's that's juicy, you know? Yeah, it's juicy, but I don't know. I uh, It's hard to go against Golden State. Like, they're at home. I know we're going to talk about the X's and O's, but you're taking a team that is playing with house, with house money in the Mavs versus a team that's been to the finals, what? five years um, with generally the same core. So I, I, I think even though the line is very appealing, I, I just can't get away from the Golden State <laughs> Warriors. Like, I don't want to lose my money here. You, you can't bet against the Warriors. That's what you're telling me. Even though they haven't been to the playoffs or to the finals since 2019. The last time we saw them in the finals, they had a healthy-ish, ish, Andre Iguodala and, uh, you know, a healthy Clay Thompson. I don't know if this Clay Thompson is healthy, but he definitely doesn't look as spry. I can tell you that much. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, um, unless Clay Thompson is near his full form, I'm not really sure if Golden State can win this series, honestly, with the way that Dallas <laughs> plays defense. Wow. Honestly, like, I like it. I think Dallas is going to win this series. I like I think it. that they have the best player in the series. They might have the best defense in the series. And they have a lot of spots to attack because, you know, in the last two series, those teams didn't really take advantage. Like both Denver and Memphis didn't fully take advantage of Jordan Poole when he's on the floor. And, you know, Steph Curry has become a better defensive player. I would say he was actually above average now, but he's going to get hunted just like, you know, Chris Paul did. And they're going to try to tire him out by making him play defense and wearing his legs. So in the fourth quarter, he's not doing the same stuff as he usually would. I mean, Hold on. In Denver's defense, they had no one to attack Jordan Poole with. This is true. I, was, I wasn't going to rely on Bryn Forbes to attack attack Jordan Poole, you know what I mean? Phoenix Memphis has no issues. did a bit of it, but they just didn't do enough. I mean, in the second game, I think it was, and the third game, Morant would bring his man up, and he'd try to like, get him in a switch early in the clock, and it was working, and then they would just dribble the ball out, and by the time it got down to like seven on the shot clock, there wasn't enough time to hunt them. So I think that Dallas is going to get their sets quicker. And then whoever's on the floor, whether it's Luka, you know, 
uh, Brunson or Dinwiddie is just going to try to attack him every time that he's on the floor, which might make him unplayable, maybe. I don't know about that. So during the year, uh, both of these teams had a top 10 defensive rating. They're actually 6-7 and seven at 110.5. So, I mean, if you're going to follow the, se- the season stats, I, it's their defense is as close as it gets to each other. Uh, the real question, I think, Raj, you know, we saw it on the second round with Luka just, and the first round for that matter, Luka just dominating everybody, right? Like the whole Dallas offense is based on Luka handling the ball and then dishing it out to guys for open threes, quick movement, quick outlet passes, quick swing passes, sort of similar to how uh, the 01 Sixers used AI, right? Like you have one primary ball handler and then everyone else just works off of that. In this ser- in this series, who would you have from Golden State to be Luca's primary matchup? Like, are you putting Clay Thompson on him because he's a little bit taller? He's like a little stockier, or no? Sorry, or do you put on someone like Draymond and Zag hard and just have someone beefy on him? Like, what do you do with Luca? I, I think the answer is going to be Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I think Wiggins, especially because you don't expect Wiggins to be as involved on offense that he can really focus on the defensive end. Um, and Dallas, like Josh mentioned, they're going to match up Hunt. They're going to really try to get Steph into the action or Jordan Poole if he's on the court. Um, and again, I, I, I'm not saying that the Mavs have no chance in this series. I, I just think that when it all comes down to experience, um, a bit more continuity, uh, and just I think overall Steve Kerr's been in this position more than Jason Kidd has been. So I give those edges to Golden State. But I think there's a a big question is how will the Mavs handle Golden State's offense? Because the Golden State offense is very like movement friendly. They move around a lot, a lot of back cuts. Um, Draymond's initiating the offense. Sometimes he's pushing the ball up the court. The last two teams that Dallas has played um, they were okay offensively, but I, I don't think they had as much movement as Golden State. And I think that's going to tire them out on the offensive end. Uh, I think that's really one thing that I don't, I don't see a lot of people talking about is uh, how Dallas will handle the movement from Golden State. And again, they have a few different players that can score 20, 30 points a game. Like it's not just shutting down Donovan Mitchell or getting in front of Devin Booker. Um, like you have three guys that can every night give you 20, 20 plus points. Uh, and then on the flip side of it, um, the one thing that Dallas has that the two other teams that Golden State didn't, uh, Golden State played that didn't have, like Denver, they had Jokic. And uh, when Golden State was playing Memphis, they had Morant. And I think they just didn't, they both those teams kind of didn't play small ball. And I think Dallas can play small ball and they can switch very easily. So you can't match up Hunt if you're Golden State either. Yeah, and Golden State doesn't really match up on anyway, right? They just run their offense and Draymond runs around with the ball until he can hand it off to somebody or catch somebody in a back cut. And that's that's what they do. And, you know, as you said, Dallas is going to go small the majority of the, play, of the, uh, the playoff series, right? I mean, Dwight Powell might play 10 minutes just like he did in the last series. But ultimately, like, Maxi Kleba is going to be in by the nine-minute mark. And they're going to go with him or probably go to a lot of uh, DFS at, uh, at center. I think you're going to see a lot of that in the series, seeing as Draymond's going to play a lot of center on the other end. So I think ultimately both teams start big with Powell and um, Kevon Looney. And then after that, um, they're going to go super small. And it's going to be a matter of 
I think it might come down to what Golden State did last series and just pound the other team on the glass, which is not something you'd expect against the best you know rebounding team in the league in Memphis, right? But Golden State beat them at their own game. And the thing that Phoenix didn't do against Dallas was take advantage of their size, <laughs> especially inside with Aiton, um, just hammering the boards and getting second chance opportunities. Because when Dallas runs around the perimeter switching everything, they leave themselves susceptible to offensive rebounds. And if Golden State can continue to get those second chance opportunities, then Golden State can make this a series where it's a little bit easier for them to uh, win in a shorter amount of games. I mean, to be fair, Phoenix didn't do a lot against Dallas. You know, like showing up for a game seven. That is true. And honestly, that was one of the worst series to watch and just as a regular fan because not one game was close. So hopefully this series, we actually get some close games. Yeah, I think most games are going to be close. I, I don't think Dallas, the way they play defense, like it, it doesn't seem like they're going to be getting blown out by 20, 30 points. Um, like we might see some games like near the fourth quarter be stretched to double digits, but I think Dallas's game plan is really going to be keep it to single digits, even if they're losing, and then see if Luca can take over. If Golden State can start missing some shots later in the game, and I think that's their recipe for um, beating this Golden State team. And I think for me, a big question for Golden State is who's going to guard Brunson, because clearly he was a big problem um, for uh, the Phoenix Suns. Like they didn't have anyone that was like fast enough to stay in front of him. Um, and he really kind of got whatever shots he wanted. Uh, and I, I feel like it's probably going to be Steph Curry, I'm assuming. Um, but I, I really think Dallas would like that matchup, especially because Brunson's played really well in this playoffs. What if you put like a lengthy defender like Clay on him, and then once Brunson inevitably gets by him, you just you know swarm the paint with Draymond just hanging out there? By swarm, I just mean have like a good help defense. It's it's possible. I I just think that like naturally, I would expect Clay to to probably end up guarding uh, like Spencer Dinwiddie if they ever go with a three guard lineup. Um, so I I think matchup wise, like it really does seem like Draymond's going to be on Dory Finney Smith or Maxi Kleba, and you don't expect any of those guys to kill you guys inside. So there could be a lot of opportunities for Draymond to help on defense um but yeah it and ultimately like which team is going to shoot the three better like dallas is a very good three-point shooting team uh especially yeah. at home so it's going to come down to the three ball as peter smiles it's my favorite part of the game boy <laughs> yeah honestly i think a lot of the nba playoffs is now coming down to especially in like the milwaukee series coming down to variance so hopefully now that we have these four teams left <laughs> that switch a lot, it's going to come down to more strategic stuff instead of, like, who's making more threes in that particular night. I mean, the Milwaukee series ended up being a strategic battle. It was just Coach Bud losing his strategy again and again and again. Mainly to Grant Williams yeah. this time. But we'll talk about that I after. Think they had... We'll talk about that yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think in this series, I think the biggest matchup to look for is who Dallas puts on Clay Thompson. Because I think that Bullock is going to start against uh, Curry. And then I guess you would have to put Finney Smith on Thompson, you would think. Um, mm. And then you put probably put Luke. I guess you can't really put Luke on Draymond. I don't know. It's tough. No, I would. It's a tough one. Hold on. Why are you worried about Luca on Clay? Wouldn't that just be the natural 
Luca on clay? No, there's no chance that's happening. Why? Just because he's going to run around too much? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to run on screens too much. I mean, they switch everything too, so maybe yeah. that's not so bad. That's the other reason why you don't put Draymond on Luca, right? Because he's just going to bring up a screen and then yeah. whoever's guarding the screen is going to be guarding Luca. So there's no point in doing it. You're better off keeping Draymond off the ball and just having him be the help person mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. rim. I, I really do think they're going to put Luca on Dory Finney-Smith. Like most of Dory Finney-Smith's offense is three-point shooting. Um, and I, I think just minimizes mean clay, right? No, I'm saying, wait, I'm saying if, sorry, I said, uh, scratch this. <laughs> you said Luca on Finney Smith. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I meant, um, oh my God, what? Okay. Scratch this. I completely forgot. What it's all going in. We're not, uh, we're not editing. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I was going to assume that, uh, Luca was going to be on Andrew Wiggins because, ah, uh, no, then Wiggins moves too much too. No, no. No, that's actually probably the best. I think that's the best matchup for Luca. I agree. Yeah. Especially because Wiggins is going to probably pick him up as well. Yeah. And then naturally, Steph Curry will go on Bullock because. Oh, yeah, that's 100% happening. Yeah, yep. they're not gonna waste Steph's energy on running around chasing Brunson. That that'd be wild. There's absolutely no need for that. Brunson is gonna end up going with uh, who did we say? Oh, I said Clay. Yeah, I said Clay. Mm-hmm. I think Brunson might guard Clay Thompson a lot of the time too when they're on the floor together. Yeah, I could see that because we sort of want to do what um, Memphis did and sort of coax him into taking those like. Post up fadeaway shots like when <laughs> Tyus Jones was on him. You mean early in the clock? It was yeah. You it was mean, smart. You mean this version of Clay isn't the pre two thousand and nineteen Clay? I mean, last game he was. Oh yeah, game so six. So I think last game he figured out like I can just go behind the three point line and shoot you know over this guy. So. That's, that's game six Clay, man. That doesn't count. That's in. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's an anomaly. I think the- the last thing to look for though is if they actually switch with Luka Doncic off ball, or if they're just going to try to have the guy who's guarding Clay Thompson or Stephen Curry just continue to stay on them and run around screens, because the last thing you want is to have Luca pop out at somebody, and then you have him in isolation in you know ten seconds on the clock, right? So they're going to try to hide him, or they're going to try to double team like they did in the last game against Phoenix uh, with Devin Booker anytime he dribbled left. Especially near the baseline, they just double teamed them and triple teamed them, which is smart, right? So, how are they going to hide Luca? Are they going to switch everything still, or are they going to have like the Luca rule where if Luca's around the ball, sort of like what Memphis did with Ja, and not have him pop out, which can cause major issues if the guy's trailing too far? Man, that uh, well, you brought it up, but that that Devin Booker game seven was absolutely atrocious to watch. I've never. Uh, yeah, he crumbled. That's it. He crumbled. The he game? crumbled. The rest of the team crumbled, and DeAndre Ayton was apparently in the back playing video games, or you know, probably told by Monty he's not allowed to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Phoenix uh, team just. Woo! I never thought I'd see a team no showed like that in the game seven. That was yeah, that it, was rough. It was just surprising too because they're the best team in the NBA in the regular season, best record. They were beating teams by healthy margins, and then. You kind of see them in the playoffs. And I think something that really rocked their confidence was they got pushed in the New Orleans series. Like, yes, they were in control. They weren't going to lose that series. But it wasn't as easy of a a series win. Like, Chris Paul had to go 14 for 14 in game six to beat New Orleans. And I think that really 
shock their system. And ultimately, Phoenix didn't have enough players that could win one-on-one matchups, uh, as Pet Bev would say. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that nonsense. It's easy to play but against yeah, a Cohen, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think Josh took it extremely personal because it was Chris Paul, too, and then it was Pat Bev saying that. <laughs> I didn't even watch the clips. I just saw what people are saying about it because I knew he was going to spout some nonsense because that's all he does. Like, he just talks. Like, the fact that he was talking about his contract situation, you know, months ago after he got his extension, he was like, yeah, if I was anybody else, I would have got like a four-year, $80 million contract with what I do on the floor. It's like, you know, you're six foot one. You have to play shooting guard because you can't handle the ball. <laughs> and you're like the biggest fake defensive player in the NBA because all you do is pick up fouls. Hey, boy. You know, yes, you slap the floor and yes, you get up on guys and you go full court on some dudes and once in a while it works. But overall, like, he sucks. It's funny because his criticism of Chris Paul was Chris Paul can't guard anybody. Like that was his literally, main literally, the literally words said that Chris, all Chris Paul does is hack people on defense. <laughs> yeah, sounds familiar. Oh, uh, the irony. I mean, they you know can what they say be, about projection. They can both be true, you know. Chris Paul now can't He's play as good defense. It's it's just he can't keep up with top end offensive players. And again, his He's old. So two points on that. Correct, yes. I think that also has to do with just how they handle him during the regular season just makes no sense to me. You know, like he's always injured in the playoffs for the same reason that he plays too many games in the regular season. Like Phoenix hasn't really adjusted their, not only their philosophy, but their play style too to like the modern game. And yes, it worked last year and it worked most of this year too. But they're going to have to make some adjustments for the roster next year in order to not only sit him more games and play him less minutes, but also get guys who can rebound the basketball and play defense on the perimeter, especially in the playoffs. Like they just need to be more physical. Like, Jay Crowder needs to go. He just needs to get the fuck out of here. Yo, Jay Crowder is not the problem with Phoenix, yeah, yeah. okay? Let's, 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 not, uh, let's not Jay go finger-pointing to Crowder. Oh, my God. <laughs> let's pick the fifth. He is all- no, 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 let's pick the fifth most important starter on the team. Like, the, like literally he was the, the least reason important they... starter on the team. Like, come on, man. He's not yeah. the reason that Chris Paul no-showed. J- Josh he's is probably, probably like, yeah. if you Devin Booker Jay... no-showed. He's probably like, if you replace Jake Crowder with, like, uh, you know, PG-13, come they on. would... <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> come on. If you put Giannis on this Phoenix Suns team with Chris <laughs> Paul, man. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. The thing is no, that- but they definitely need to make some adjustments so like he doesn't play as many minutes, especially come playoff time. Like he needs to be under thirty minutes a game in the regular season, sort of like what the Spurs did with Tim Duncan. Yeah. So that way he's actually fresh for rounds one and two again. Because if you get a guy like Alvarado in the first round again, they're just tiring him out. He's not gonna last. No, nah. you know, he's thirty. He's starting to be thirty-eight next year. You know? Nah, Chris Paul's a vegan man. He's fine. Exactly. Didn't you hear? For days. This- yeah, all I've heard this whole year is how great of shape Chris Paul is in, how he's finally healthy because he turned into a vegan like two years ago, and all we see is this Chris Paul praise. Yeah, and then Chris- all of a sudden, dude gets one defender, one pesky defender in Jose Alvarado, who's up in his ass for a good like half game, not even the full game, because Alvarado played like 20-something minutes. And then we're like, oh, Chris Paul is too tired all of a sudden. Yeah, oh, and, no, and man. He wasn't tired in game one and two. Like, I just think <laughs> Dallas was like a, a team that it was a hard matchup. They put on big defenders on him. He can't blow by anyone just because, again, he's older. And that's just he's limited by that. 
I think what Phoenix needs to do when talking about modernizing their game is they have to take more threes. Um, they, I think they're on the bottom five in the league for three-point attempts. Uh, and then on top of that, I think when Aiton is probably inevitably going to leave now, uh, we're going to talk about that, I'm sure, in the offseason, but Aiton's going to leave. Like, I think they need to find maybe a Miles Turner, but a guy who can stretch the floor a little. Because when you have Aiton, he's really restricted to like 15 to 16 feet from the rim. Like he's not going to be playing on the outside. You're taking away the lane from Chris Paul. Devin Booker can't get to the cup. Like it, it just makes your offense a lot harder. So I think Aiton leaving is not a good thing for them, but hopefully they adapt and uh, change their ways because they're not going to be making it very far next year if they redo the same, uh, same experiment. Yeah, I mean, the only way that they're going to be able to improve their roster if Aiden happens to stay, which he is probably not going to at this point, um, is if they package a couple different contracts together and then you get a power forward who is really good. And that can play center too. So that's going to be tough to find, obviously. A couple but of contracts possible. featuring yeah. Jay Crowder's name first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jay Crowder, get Shamit the hell out of here too. Yeah. You know, they, they got some... I mean, they have a really good roster, right? It's just a matter of figuring out what your your final five is going to be, especially when it matters. They they need to scrimmage with double teams on Devin Booker a bit more. You know, like the normal stuff. Yeah, he needs to become a better playmaker too. I'm pretty sure uh, Josh was on the trade machine after the Phoenix Suns loss. Like, uh, Jay Crowder for Jeremy Grant. See if trade works. See if the trade works. <laughs> spot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Josh is deep into the bottle after that and lost, but okay, that's works too. <laughs> Didn't hear for him. Man, I stopped watching at halftime. Oh my <laughs> you god, made that half? was brutal. I did. I just wanted to see if there was like a mini comeback in the last three minutes of the second quarter to make you, you know, think that it might happen, but and not then, happening. And then Luca destroyed Cam Johnson's ankles, and then the game was over. Indeed. All right, so can we get uh, get back on track here? Dallas, Golden State. What are your predictions? Raj, you said uh, you're still sticking with Golden State for this? Yeah, it's hard for me to go against them. I, I do think Dallas at home, their role players play well. I think Golden State kind of took their foot off the pedal in the that Memphis series on Game 5. So it shows that they play when they want to. They can like kind of turn it off some games. So I can see the series going six games. I'll say Golden State will win in six on the road. Hmm. See, I was going to pick Dallas in six originally, but now I'm going to go Luka Legacy. Let's go with game seven. Luka on the oh, road yeah. again, just destroying another team hey, and laughing at their crowd. I, oh, I'm not yeah. Dallas in seven. I'm not even going to hate. I think Luka in this series is probably my favorite player now to watch. And like, I love to watch Steph because he was different, but like now everyone shoots threes. Now everyone's chucking it from the logo. Um, so Luka's just refreshing. So I'm hoping this goes seven, but again, can't go against Golden State here. Yeah, you know, last series, Luka's step back three was dropping a lot against uh, a, a Phoenix team that apparently didn't play any defense. I don't think it's going to happen this series. I think he's going to go cold. Jalen Brunson's going to try to carry the load for a bit again, and I don't think it's going to work against Golden State's length because they're still a very like, lengthy team from one to five. Give me Golden State in five. Whoa. Five. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, you know what? I think Dallas is like a year away from it. I don't they're think they're a, there just yet. They're a player away. Yeah. 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 I mean, also the Porzingis trade might have been like the best midseason trade for them ever, but uh, 
Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying it yet. Just yet. Funny because yeah, I wasn't I buying Golden State I mean, all year. It's great for how they play and everything, but everyone's acting like Spencer Dinwiddie's had a great playoff. No, no. He had one good game. Yeah, it's yeah. Trash. It's I it's trash. I remember, <laughs> like in Game Seven, all the commentary was like, "Oh my God, Spencer Dinwiddie, he's taking over." I'm like, dude, was it like more or less invisible for seventy percent of the series up to that point? Correct. But yeah, Correct. yeah, he was playing like twelve minutes a game in some games. Yeah, yeah. He may have been injured. Who knows? He may have been hurt, but. Uh... He just, yeah, he didn't look good out there. Whatever. That's- also, one last thing on this series. Golden State turns the ball over like crazy, but Dallas is not a running team. So that's another thing that Dallas might look into, um, you know, when they actually turn the ball over, actually running the ball up the court instead of just playing half-court offense all the time. Who's going to run? I mean, you know, you got to get some running opportunities against a good defense or else you're not going to win. Who's going to so run on this? Their philosophy Who's going to run that break, Josh? Brunson and who? Luca's in shape, sort of. Now, <laughs> so maybe he can lose a few more pounds this series. Luca's, Luca's gonna pull up from the logo and say, "Oh, I did my part. I ran half court." <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Keep him moving. Let's go out east. Now, by the time you're listening to this, uh, there'll only be one game played. So there, there goes that fun. But Miami and Boston. Boston is favored. Funny enough, the one seed is not favored. Uh, Boston's minus 175, Miami plus 150. Plus 150 for the number one seed home court advantage for the Miami Heat. Um, they lost the season series 2-1 to one to Boston this year. And this is, these are like two of the three best defenses in the league this year. Right, we're talking about a lot of length, a lot like Miami's Heat culture. We've already talked about it for, you know, however long. Boston, we've also... Killed this narrative since January that they were, you know, one of the like an all time great team since January, basically. Once Jalen Brown said that they're going to turn it around and then they turned it around. Uh, what else are we looking at? Two point guards who are mildly hurt. Marcus Smart is still questionable as of four o'clock on game day. Still questionable for the game tonight with a mid right foot sprain. Kyle Lowry has looked like a shell of himself basically all year. Except that shell still has a giant fat ass that takes charges, so that's cool. And a bum uh, hamstring. I don't think he's... Hamstring? Yeah, yeah. Still? He's missing game one. He's out officially. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like the rest of the series for the Heat, we'll see Gabe Vincent in there again. I honestly don't count Kyle Lowry as a major part of this team because we haven't seen him most of the year. Um, so the real question is, Josh, who would you rather have in the playoffs? This version of Tatum or... Apparently, Jimmy Butler, who shoots threes like he shoots Michelob Ultra commercials. I mean, at this point, I think you would rather have Tatum most likely. But, you know, Jimmy Butler's been second or third best player in the playoffs. As you mentioned, Giannis is probably first, obviously. But those two guys are, you know, a good comparison in terms of how they play for their teams. But... Jimmy Butler is not going to be getting those like wide open, you know, ten to fifteen foot shots that he was getting in the last series, even the series before that, because Boston's going to switch everything, play him super physical. And I think this is a series where if Miami's going to win, it's got to be Tyler Hero. Like he was the guy in the bubble that put Miami over the top against Boston, and you would think that he has the best kind of matchup coming off the bench because he's not going to see as much of. I mean, they're still going to play a lot of minutes, obviously, but. Maybe he's not going to see the best defensive player um, when Jimmy Butler's on the floor. 
and he can take advantage of the other guys, right? So he's not going to have Marcus Smart on him at all times. He's not going to have Jason Tatum on him at all times. So he's <laughs> got to be the guy that really leads their offense. But ultimately, I think, you know, Boston winning that series against Milwaukee, I think they're by far the favorites out of all these teams that are left. And I think they match up pretty well with Miami. Like, this series is going to be extremely difficult to watch as a viewer unless you really <laughs> enjoyed, like, the Detroit-Indiana series from back in oh, the day yeah. in 2004. That's what I'm talking about, man. Hey. I just want bully ball. I, I just want to see competitive basketball. Like, that Milwaukee-Boston series was actually fun to watch. Um, the games were entertaining. I think there was like moments in in each game where you were like oh like boston's gonna run away with this and then milwaukee comes back and ends up winning the game like there is a lot of kind of fluidity it wasn't decided after the first quarter on who was gonna win that game and uh i think boston came out to be the better team like out of that series it made them tougher i think they won't have to adjust to heat culture going into this series that milwaukee <laughs> series was um, like the weather is better in Miami, but the basketball intensity is going to be the exact same. And uh, ultimately, I, I just don't think Miami has enough individual defenders to guard Boston's multiple options. Uh, like you have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Horford's been playing amazing um, this playoffs. Like he's uh, rejuvenated. Uh, and then just having Marcus Smart be able to maybe score one, one or two games, 20, 25 points maybe. Uh, and then you have Grant Williams, who's kind of like a, a Draymond Light now, um, back from 2015. Not in the sense that he runs the team, but he's a versatile player, um, and uh, he can defend one through five. You can't really pick on him. Uh, and ultimately, this team is like well made, and I think Boston's going to win this series. I don't want to say handedly. I think the games will be close, but I think there will be no, almost no chance for Miami to win. No chance. You're you really put in those quotations around heat culture with that, eh? Jesus. Yeah, hey, you know what? They proved me wrong in the bubble, but I think the bubble was a different place and I think the pressure if anything, the pressure on Boston is gonna work against them, I think. This is like one of the first series in a while where they're the favorites. Cause when they were playing LeBron when they had Tatum and Brown and Tatum was still a rookie, like they were the underdogs. They had they're playing with house money. Even this year. When they were playing uh, against uh, the Nets, like a lot of people had the Nets maybe winning that series in six or seven games. And then when they were playing Milwaukee, like obviously Middleton was out, but a lot of people were still putting money on uh, Milwaukee to pull through. And now they're the favorites. So let's see how they handle that pressure. In your editing of this podcast, Peter, make sure to play Vince McMahon's No Chance in Hell song after you said that. It'd be perfect. No chance. No chance. That's what you've got. <laughs> but uh, I think the biggest difference going into this series versus the last time they played in the bubble too is Boston now has two guys that can defend Bam Adebayo, who was, you know, instrumental besides Hero going crazy in that series in uh, Miami winning against Boston. And, you know, Rob Williams will probably be back tonight. I'm guessing he's probably going to start again. And you can just hide him in the corner against P.J. Tucker. And he can be that defensive menace again around the rim. And Miami's just going to have a really hard time finding guys who can score. I think tonight they're probably going to win. Just because Boston just came off an insane series. And there might be a letdown game. And Miami's rested. But I think they're really going to miss Kyle Lowry in the rest of the games. 
Because even if he does play, he's probably going to be a shell of his former self. And we've seen in the past when, you know, Toronto played against Boston, Kyle Lowry was really effective. Like, he was really good in those games. Even the last game in the regular season against Boston, he was 8 for 16 from the field, 6 threes. They just need that other component and a guy that can make shots off the dribble if he was healthy. And now they're just probably not going to play even close to his, you know, former self, I guess you could say. No, no, I'm they, not really sure that Miami has a chance. They have they have Gabe Vincent and Victor Oladipo to create shots off the dribble, all right? If Victor Oladipo shoots over 40% from the field in the series, I will be impressed. You want to put some money on it? You want to bet a mortgage, sure. so to speak? <laughs> not the mortgage. How about a box of diapers? A box of diapers. There you go. <laughs> They can have one in the back here. Yeah. Are they size three? Because that's all I'm looking for right now. Yeah, I got a couple of those. <laughs> My man. But uh, I'll, take, I'll take donations, Josh. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but also, if you look at like Boston's top five players that are going to play the most minutes this series, like it's going to be Jalen, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, one healthy, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. That starting five is. Or not starting five, but that five, that group of five is better than what Miami has. And Miami has good players, but just together as a team, like Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam, uh, PJ Tucker, and then your fifth is maybe Lowry, but he's like up and down and like Struce. Yeah, it's gonna be Struce or Vincent, right? But, yeah, but no, hold on, but, hold on, but, hold on. Before you proceed, I wouldn't even include Robert Williams in that. If we're gonna assume that Kyle Lowry is hurt, I'm gonna assume that. Robert Williams is equally as hurt because he hasn't. He barely played against Milwaukee. No, they they came out and said no minutes restriction. He didn't have a minutes restriction in Game Seven. He didn't play. Yeah, there's a chance that Udoka just goes with Grant the Williams. rotation that he did in Game Seven because that's what he said. In, yeah. You know, after the game too, he's like, I don't want to mess with my rotation. That's why I didn't put Rob Williams in. But I guess he's probably going to start um, next game. But Grant Williams will play more minutes, I think. Okay, but but the one thing we haven't talked about yet. You know, maybe those two cancel out and that both Williams and Lowry are just ineffective, even if they do play, right? But Marcus Smart having a mild foot sprain is a pretty big storyline because I looked it up on, um, you know, Jeff Stott's uh, Twitter feed in street clothes, right? He said mild foot sprains normally cause a player to sit out. Um, well, in one case, I think with Kevin Durant, he sat out like 16 games. Yeah. It depends on the severity, obviously, but they might just be listing him as questionable just to, you know, mess with Miami's game plan, right? Because that sounds like a pretty serious injury. Any type of sprain in your foot is going to be difficult for what he has to do on the floor for 30 plus minutes. Sounds a game. kind of mild. Yeah. Like, or is it mild? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it might affect his ability to drive by people or play some top end defensive player of the year defense. But which makes them useless then? Yeah, yeah. But again, I, I still think Boston has enough other weapons, um, especially the way Horford's I been know. playing. I, I I just don't think Miami has enough consistent scores. Like Boston's defense is very good; they're very athletic. They, they're basically like Miami, but I just think they're they have a bit more scoring. Yeah, I think a lot of these games just come down to you know who is able to score just a tiny bit more in the fourth quarter. I think that the under in these games is going to be, you know, very playable for all of us gamblers out there. Mm-hmm. Yo, you're a pseudo uh, gambler. Smart... Don't don't lie. 
Yeah, I, I, I just say who I think is going to actually yeah, win. Then without I money, betting, so. oh yeah, you're you're you're, like a, you're an advisor, man. Consultant Josh here. Yeah, I blame Bet365 for taking away my money. Anyways, <laughs> you notice recently they they changed out their whole policy that now that it's apparently legal in Ontario, like they reset the entire website, and all my money went away. They're like, you got to withdraw the money and then put it back in the web. Anyways. Getting back to the actual <laughs> game itself, if Marcus Smart is out, you have another point to just double Jason Tatum, double Jalen Brown, because if they have to play um, Derek White over him, Miami's going to ignore him. They're going to play the same type of defense as they did with Brooke Lopez against him in Game 7. And, you know, if they play Pritchard, then you have a spot to actually attack on, on defense, right? So if Marcus Smart is out, I think Miami can take this to seven games, potentially win. But if he plays, I have Boston in five. Yeah, I have Boston in five as well. Um, obviously, injuries play a big part. Like if Marcus Smart misses like equivalent to two or three games, then the series is wide open. If he misses a game, I still think Boston will win. I think five or six would be. But right now, I'm taking Boston in five. I think Jimmy Butler, if he wins this series, like I think he goes into that category of just like elite playoff performer, like. Stats-wise, he might not be a top 10 guy in the NBA, but in terms of winning basketball, he immediately goes into that top 10 like best player in the NBA currently. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to turn into uh, the Jimmy Butler of last year where he was a complete pumpkin and he got outscored by Bryn Forbes, but I think he's going to be nearly as inefficient against Boston. Yeah. This series, I don't think he's going to be that. He's going to take a lot of shots, but he's going to have you know a lot of those like eight for twenty-seven type games. Yeah, and who, who's going to be on him as a primary defender? It, I don't think it matters, honestly. Like as long as they're switching and making Miami work late in the clock, um, Miami is going to have a lot of difficulty getting into their sets, and like they run a lot of like dribble handoff stuff, right? And Boss is going to be ready for that. Yeah. And, you know, on the Al Horford point, though, like, he sort of looked cooked in the last couple of games. Like, he played pretty good defense, but you can see his legs weren't there. He wasn't taking the same um, shots that he was in the, uh, you know, the games leading up to it, up to game four. Um, so, if he's ineffective, too, then, you know, maybe you got two big men down, plus Marcus Smart, then Miami has a shot. Miami really only has a shot in this series if Boston's guys are out or not playing effective because of injury. Let's just be honest. Man, y'all whack. You guys are really underrating heat culture here, man. Nope. You never underestimate the heart of a dog (laughs) CJ Tucker. That being said, I probably have Boston too. I think on, on paper, I think Boston is better. But there's something about Miami's, uh, I don't want to say culture, but it's like, it's a system that they run, right? Like, everything is on point. Uh, everything is, like, their defense is seamless. Every rotation is, like, perfect. And they, I, like, for a lack of better terms or, like, for a lack of, like, corniness, they just have that, like, heart or that that, grit, that will. Grit, yeah, yeah. That grit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hate to say it, but, like, all those things are part of, quote-unquote, heat culture, Raj. And it, it's sort of what they they carry themselves on. Yeah, but so like, I don't uh, know if like your your la- the like the length of Boston or whatever, it's obviously going to affect Miami's offense. But who's to say that Miami's defense isn't going to slow down Boston's offense equally as much, right? Like 
how is Jason Tatum going to take it when P.J. Tucker is just pushing him around constantly like he did Kevin Durant last year? We'll see. I, I, I ultimately think the difference in this series, too, is the Celtics are going to implore a different type of defensive strategy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they let Jimmy Butler score on the one-on-one and not double-team him and get the ball out of his hands and try to make him put up 40, 45 points a game and just take out the other guys. Because I think that's like kind of contrary to what they did against the Nets where they really doubled Durant. And then with Giannis, again, try to build a wall, make his role players beat him. Like, I think Miami has the role players. And I think they have a shot. Like, I think this series could end up going seven games if uh, injuries play as big of a role as they might. But I just think, like you mentioned, on paper, they're better. It's Boston series to lose, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um, sorry. So, what did you guys have, Josh? You said uh, Miami or uh, Boston in like what five, six, five, five games. Raj, five games. Boston. Wow. Wow. Okay, in five. Ooh, did I just convince myself to pick Miami in seven? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Marcus Smart thing sort of has me worried and thinking that Miami <laughs> now has a shot. So, I don't know, Matt. I think they're underreporting this. I don't think he's going to play tonight. I don't think so either, but uh, I don't think he's as hurt as you think he is. Yeah, I, I think it might just be a gentleman's sleep, a sweep. I mean, I think that Miami's going to win tonight and then Boston's going to sweep him. Uh, maybe. I, I, I think ultimately game one is huge for Miami. If they win this, then I, I could see this series going seven. I actually think opposite to you. I think Boston's going to come out better than Miami. Miami's had a like a few days off. Um, and the Celtics, they literally just back into the swing of playing every two games. Give me... Uh, I'm going against you guys. Miami in seven. Oof. All right. Brave man. Big Heat man culture. on campus. Okay. Heat culture against Warriors culture in the finals. Ooh, baby. Give me that. P.J. Tucker, repeat fun. champion. Ooh. He's going to do what Danny Green did in 1920. How, and the coaching advantage the be? coaching advantage does go to the Heat as well. Like Eric Spolstra is just a more experienced and better coach. So, honestly, it could go to seven. And then in game seven, anything could happen, especially if Luka's not playing. <laughs> yeah, Udoka's been a beast this playoff, so he's been good. I was going to say, I don't know if he's better or a coach bow is better than Udoka, but he's definitely more experienced. Yeah, and the advantage Udoka's is there, nice. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think the advantage also, is there. I, I have a question about Udoka. Why is he still continuing to wear a mask when he wears it on his chin? Dude, don't question the man. I don't get it. He has why more you, why even bring the mask? Why aren't you What's wearing a mask point? on the pod? Maybe I'll bring it next time and put it underneath my chin, too. I thought you had to wear a mask in the house, Josh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell no. It's not that big of a dog pound. You can't, you can't risk the baby, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. Don't even get me started. Oh, man. All right. Let's move on. Oh, Do you guys want to shit on um, Philadelphia at all? Just completely uh, shitting the bed here against Miami? We have James Harden, no showing in the playoffs again, you know? You know, the scenario we talked about actually happened. <laughs> they lost at home in, like, the worst way possible. James Harden didn't show up. And now all of Philadelphia is finally realizing what we said at the trade deadline and that we saw ahead of it, you know? It's just like, you're trading for a guy who's not going to show up on the playoffs, who's going to look like shit, 
And now you're probably going to have to pay him because you already promised him the contract leading up to the trade, right? So this has worked out very well for other Eastern Conference teams. Okay, yes or no qu- answer, Raj. Will James Harden get a Supermax offer? Just yes or no. From... Wait, just to clarify. From the Sixers? They're the only team that can yeah. offer it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He will not. Josh? Will Daryl Morey continue to suck the James Harden teat? Oh, yes. He will continue to suck the James Harden D. That is for sure. Ooh, James Harden has no D, man. That's that's why I said the teat. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Well said. Woo! Okay. It's not uh, going to happen this offseason, though, but no matter what happens, unless he has like, some sort of injury, I think they're going to give him at least near the max contract which is going to completely ruin them for the next few years. And then Embiid's going to ask out within maybe two years. Straight to Toronto, baby. Giants of Africa in Toronto. Let's go. That's Uh, right. Josh, you have any stats corner? Yeah, I got a couple things for you. Um, So the Celtics are now playing in their 37th Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. Which means that they have now played in exactly half of the Eastern Conference Finals in history. Pretty impressive. Wow. Crazy. And then in uh, Game 7 against um, the Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns starters had exactly one point, Chris Paul. Devin Booker had two points. Aiden had three points. Bridges had four points. And Jay Crowder had five points. My guy. My guy leading the team. All all I'm hearing Uh is Jay Crowder is the best player on on that starting five. Yeah, of course. That's all you hear. <laughs> Yo, he did his um, job. So, like five points in a, a half for Jake Crowder. Like that's kind of close to what you expect from him. And getting torched and turning the ball over. Yeah, we'll just ignore those things. No, no, but hold on. No, back... He was not the primary turnover machine. Okay, your guard, your two primary guards are responsible for handling the rock. Your not two your lover boys. Let me let me just hate on Jake Crowder. Jesus. Okay, I don't like Jake. Jake Crowder sucks. Some would he say sucks. Chris Paul does too, Josh. In the playoffs, mm, when they're yeah. up two zero. Man, your no. your favorite player is a phony choke artist. First player to lose <laughs> five straight series up 2-0. Wait a second. Did Pat Beverly join that oh conversation? Oh my god. We have wow, Doc nice Paul in the house, man. <laughs> he's not even Chris anymore. He's Doc. <laughs> so, can you guess the last time this actually <laughs> happened in a game where each starter had either had 1, 2, 3, 4 and then 5 points? What was the year that happened last? It was like the, it was like ninety seven. It was like ninety seven, ninety eight, or something. You're close. It was ninety nine. Yeah, I saw this. And it was the Golden State Warriors. Can you guess anybody from that lineup? I I, <laughs> I remember one guess each. I I saw this on Twitter already, so I'm oh, gonna ruin two it. of them. All right, Raj. I have no idea. You're not gonna guess this. Like no uh, idea. Uh, ESPN's Tim Legler was on this list. Oh wow! And right. uh, our favorite. Center from like the mid two thousands Warriors, Donald Foyles on this list. <laughs> Very true. Mookie Blaylock as well. Oh, Mook, the guy who got traded for Vince Carter. Who's that, Raj? On draft night. On draft night. Don't know. Oh my goodness! Whoa. Oh my goodness! What kind of wow. Canadian basketball fan are you? What oh is going on here? <laughs> the man with the best push on NBA history. Come Golden on. State Warriors. Antoine Jameson? He scored 50 points. There you go. And then some guy named Tony Farmer. 
Uh, Jordan Farmer's dad. Yeah. By the way, yeah. <laughs> a couple more things. Um, the Mavs' blowout of the Suns was the most lopsided Game 7 road win since the Warriors over the St. Louis Bombers in what year? 64. 52. 48. <laughs> History. History was made. Yeah. By the way, did you guys hear Shaq call Grant Williams the white Antoine Walker? <laughs> not white. The light skin. Antoine light skin. Light, light skin. Light, not white. Light was he skin. trying to insult him? Uh, I think he was just saying that he was chucking in game seven because he attempted 18 threes. Yeah, he actually hit a few, though. <laughs> Unlike Antoine. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Antoine's got a chip, man. Grant Williams is not. The light skin Antoine Walker. That killed me. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was and, good. And uh, one last thing. Um, in terms of three-point percentage by game in the playoffs, maybe Mike Budenholzer's strategy was correct because in every other game besides Game 7, you had Game 1, which the regular three-point percentage is around 36, Game 2, 36, Game 3, 37, Game 4, 35, Game 5, 35. Game 6 is 37 again. But in Game 7, can you guess what the average is for three-point percentage in a Game 7 from 2018 to 2022? How many games is that, Hmm. just so I know? Uh, It doesn't say. But it's probably like (laughs) 10 to 12. Okay, fine. The percentage is 28%. 30.4. Yeah, I guess you both tie in this case. 29.5. Damn. Yeah, well, Coach Bud, you could have uh, adjusted in-game. When Grant <laughs> Williams is torching your ass, you should might want to throw Brooke Lopez out there from time to time. Or get somebody else on him who can actually rotate. Or just yeah, put you Chris know, anything. There. <laughs> yeah. Bring Serge out with his uh, old back, you know? 50-year-old Serge could defend that three better than Brooke Lopez could. Most likely, yeah. Most likely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good uh, good history lesson with Josh on this stats corner. I like it. Always. Good job. Thank you. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. We're going to call it here. Uh, please remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace. <laughs>